listener, it's Asata. Uh, I just wanted to let you know that this episode was recorded in a socially distanced manner uh, and not in the usual setup. So I do apologize for any weird or wonky audio. Um, I did the best that I could. I also want to let you know that this episode will go into politics a little bit. So if that is something that you do not want to listen to, uh, go ahead and just skip this episode. With that, um, go get yourself a cup of coffee or a cup of tea, make yourself a snack, and welcome to the Bio Studio. My name is Asata, and I am a scientific and medical illustrator. The thing I love the most about my job is not just the projects and their impact, but the science behind them and the amazing people I get to meet along the way. So get comfy, and welcome to the Bio Studio. Hi, and welcome back to the Bio Studio. My name is Asata, and I am your host. And with me today is my mom, Dr. Benita Caldwell. She is a dentist, and every time I do interviews or I record a, a podcast with you guys, it seems like I always come back to where I got my influence and, and why I ended up in my field, and she's a big part of that. So I wanted to have her on and have her talk a little bit about um, her background and, and um, healthcare from her perspective and point of view. So, uh, welcome. I've always known you, you were always my dentist, you're Alex, Alex's dentist, you're, ben, you're Ben's dentist. So, I mean, when where did you kind of get your start? Like, did you always want to be a dentist or were you kind of like, ended up as a dentist? I always wanted to be a dentist. I Ever since I was young, I felt that I wanted to go to college. And I always had interest in teeth. When I see someone new and meet them, I look at their teeth. I'm, I'm not a person that looks at what they're wearing or how they have their hair or what jewelry they have. It's their teeth that attracts me to people. And so then I felt that as I was progressing in college, that was my goal to become a dentist. That's really cool. So when you went to undergrad, did you go in as like a pre-med or were you, what was your undergraduate? I initially went in as science education major. And then um, around my third year, I decided to apply to dental school and do the, the DAT test, the dental aptitude test. And I did pretty good on the test. So I felt okay, I'm going to apply to dental school and see if I get accepted. And so I went that route and I got accepted and um, they sent me a letter that, you know, I needed to accept the spot. And I thought, yeah, I'll accept it and I'll go and try it for a year, see if I liked it. And I liked it. So I finished dental school. And it seems like you always really enjoyed dentistry and working in the dental field. I get like with the, the, the patients, not just like with teeth, but I always, when I was growing up watching you, I always saw that it seemed like you liked interacting with the patients a lot and like. Mm -hmm. oh, I, I do. Yeah. And especially as I see young patients, I encourage them to 
stay in school as long as they need to to get to where they want to be. Mm-hmm. Find out what they like to do, and if you're doing what you like to do, you don't see it as work. Yeah. You're seeing it as you doing what you like to do, contributing, and so. I've been doing dentistry for 35 years, and I don't, I don't see it as work. I don't see it as I have to get up every day and um, go to a job per se. I see it as me getting up and going and seeing my patients. Mm-hmm. And as I see each individual patient, I learn about the patient. I try to encourage them to, if they're young, you know, stay in school till you get done with your education. Um, if they're already done with their education and working, you know, find out what's important to them, where they're at. It's always we discuss what's going on at the time. Mm-hmm. Right now, every, in this time, it's election season. Every time someone comes in and they're my patient, I encourage them to either to vote, if they can vote, mm-hmm. and talk to their family and friends to get them to vote. And also to encourage each one of them to contact their family and friends so that it's not just me encouraging one person. I'm trying to encourage them down the line to get more people out to vote. I like that. Did you always know that you wanted to own your own business or was this something that it just fit better than working for someone else? I felt that I always felt that I would own my own business. It was just something I felt in our school in junior high school in seventh and eighth grade we were supposed to take at that point in time if you were a female you took home economics and sewing and if you were a male you did a woodworking class and something with auto mechanic so it wasn't you didn't have a choice it was and then as you got to high school it seemed to be that I noticed that the women were encouraged to take like typing and maybe even shorthand as they got you know done with high school and maybe encouraged to do something so they could become a secretary well I had no interest in typing I never took a typing class (laughs) and I felt that I'm going to college I'm going to hopefully own my own business Mm mm-hmm and I didn't see it as a skill set that I needed. Mm-hmm. I was going to be the owner of my business. And so then uh, that was where I set my goals. Yeah. Was, okay, This how, how do I get to where I need to be? And so I would ask to my teachers when I was young, I want to go to college. How do I do that? Mm-hmm. And so I remember I had a history teacher. Uh, she told me, oh, get good grades, do lots of reading. So that's what I did. I did lots of reading and I got good grades. And so then that opened the door for me to be able to go to college. It sounds like you had a lot of support 
that because like I know art for me and Alex a lot of our support was from you and dad but it sounds like you had a lot of external not necessarily inside your your family home support to give you that information of how to go to college and what you needed to do I I did have a lot of support from um, my teachers and instructors as I was coming along and I I'm hoping that students continue to get that mm -hmm. and I think that's something that is why they need diversity in the educational system mm -hmm. so that young students can see okay you know there are people of color that are teaching us there are people of color that are doing this job and that job mm -hmm. and it will encourage them to say yes if they can do it I can do it yeah I think that's important I like that because yeah there there's so much growing like uh, me growing up here and you know I'm in my 20s I remember there. I don't really remember a whole lot of, of diversity in terms of my teachers, but the ones that I did have, I do know that I tend to listen to them better, like cling to their advice a little bit more. Also, I think those were the teachers that did tend to be a little bit more like, if you have questions, come and come to my office hours and you can come and, and ask and I'm willing to help you as best I can. But I know, so you were first generation college. Yes. So, I mean, how do you, I know that like with grandma, she had a eighth grade education. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So um, I'm sure that she, cause she always talked to me about, you know, go to school and she was always like I was fighting to get out that door to catch that school bus so was she also very much like yes I don't know a whole lot about it but listen to your teachers and go and, and get your grades and and go to college uh she was supportive of of me um having that goal and helping me you know however she could whether it was just you know if I needed to do a science project. Uh, she didn't say we couldn't do it. Mm -hmm. You know, she would let me do it, <laughs> even though it meant, you know, maybe it's some inconvenience in the household somewhere. Oh. <laughs> uh, I I liked science, and I like to do science projects, and so. She never ever said no. You can't do that. Yeah. Uh, you know, I felt that she encouraged me to be able to to do everything that I felt I wanted to do, because my brothers and sisters didn't. They just didn't do science projects. Mm -hmm. They were more. I want to go do a sport, or I want to go hunting, or fishing, or swimming, or ice skating, and. Yeah. I, I didn't do those activities. I stayed in and read books and did science projects. Yeah. I do remember a story that you said you had turtles <laughs> for a period of time in your bathroom. <laughs> we did. Well, fortunately, we had an upstairs bathroom and a downstairs bathroom. And so I kind of took over the upstairs bathroom with <laughs> The project I was doing was, was with turtles. And so, you know, we had to keep, I had to keep them somewhere mm -hmm. and didn't want them to be out and about running all over the place. So that was, that worked out a perfect environment for them. Mm -hmm. And so I 
was able to put enough for them to have a section with water and a section with some rocks and uh, like tree logs. But oh, that's awesome. It's they like a little... Get out, they didn't get out of the tub. Yeah. They were still confined. And then I was able to, to feed them and keep them uh, until I got done with my project. Were your siblings and, cool with that? Uh, I don't remember them complaining about it. <laughs> I did have to clean it up when I got all done. And I finished my project, and I submitted it for a science fair project. And I got first place. Oh, that's awesome. When we were growing up, we I remember we did science stuff around the house, like the little chemi- little chemical chemistry projects. And um, I remember, you know, in Girl Scouts, we always had, like, a science unit. If we, you know, we would go to, like, hikes and stuff, and we would do, like... Um, entomology stuff and some dendrology stuff just kind of learning the names and 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 seeing their environment so that's so you've always had like a stem background and all the way through it was science was always important it was always an interest for me to to do something in the science field I was good at science and math and I think my teachers saw that and encouraged me Mm -hmm. And so, um, yeah, the teacher had spoke to us in high school early in the year, you know, to do a a project. And so I thought, this is what I want to do. I did it. And we presented it. And I had no idea that I would get first place. Oh, that's so funny. (laughs) That's crazy. Surprised and pleased. Oh, that's awesome. Turtle stuff is, when I was going through my biology courses and stuff, turtles were one of the more interesting species where I was, like, always thought was interesting how, like, temperature affected a lot of their, um, the the sex determination and, and stuff like that, like whether it was a male or female that was born. And I didn't know, I don't know actually if any other species are affected by mm-hmm. the environment like that. But and, and that was partly why I picked this bathroom because there was just the right amount of temperature and humidity mm-hmm. that was perfect for for what the project was going to be. That's really cool. Was anyone in your family interested in science that kind of started your interest or like was it just like a you were on your own you're like I'm gonna just go off and do this thing I think this is interesting no I was the only one in my family I I just uh I'm not sure why everybody else had their own their own interests and that was my interest Mm -hmm. so I just uh my mom encouraged us to to all do what you know we wanted to do in that in that idea of um interest in what's going on right now because you had mentioned earlier you know when you have patients coming in you you try to support them to say you know hey stay in school get involved in community go vote um so right now I mean in this social climate with you know Black Lives Matter and and um police brutality one of the things that I was noticing which I'm sure you've noticed you know you've been in the medical field for, like you said, 35 years. There's also, I believe, a, a systemic racism within within the healthcare fields. From my observation, you know, whenever I'm asked to do illustrations, usually the last thing that someone's considering is is the diversity or the inclusion of who's of who they're wanting on their poster so they're not necessarily thinking oh we want to have uh, 
a Latinx person as our poster person because maybe that affects more of the Latinx community or we want a black person on our poster because it affects black people. In that realm of, of medicine and trying to be inclusive, do you notice that maybe you have more people of color come here because you are a, a person of color? You are a Latina woman and you also do speak Spanish in order to help communicate with the groups that are coming in? Uh, definitely uh, our office is open to everybody <laughs> but um, I feel that yeah we have probably a greater numbers of minority patients maybe than your average office. Mm -hmm. uh, I think that my name in itself Benita you know, would attract, you know, somebody that is Spanish-speaking. Mm -hmm. You know, Benita is a Spanish-sounding name, and so they will automatically lean toward, well, let's try this person. Mm -hmm. And especially if they feel that their English is limited, you know, they feel more comfortable coming to an office where they think that, okay, this person, I... I can communicate with them. Mm -hmm. um, I try to communicate with all my patients. I do have patients that come that, that speak French, and I know minimal French. And, you know, I have patients that have come from Bosnia. Mm -hmm. You know, so I did, you know, do make an effort to, to learn a few phrases. You know, how to, if, if I know somebody is coming in there, certain language, I will learn. Okay, how do you say your name? How do you say open or close? Because mm -hmm. those are important when you're getting ready to look in someone's mouth mm -hmm. to, to help them to say open. So um, I will either consult a dictionary or ask somebody. Or fortunately right now, we're at, available to get on a phone mm -hmm. called through the Delta Dental provides an interpreter so we can talk to the patient in their language mm -hmm. through an interpreter on the phone. Oh, that's really helpful. That's really cool. Is that, like, new? I've never heard of that before. Is that new? <laughs> it's relatively new, but, yeah, it's, it's uh, um, I'd say maybe the last five years. Okay. That still feels relatively new, yeah. And, and we do use it a lot for new patients that come in that feel like, uh, especially if there's French speaking, and I, like I said, I don't know a lot of French, but mm -hmm. they feel that this is where they want to come and get their work done, and they want to know if do I need to bring an interpreter, mm -hmm. and if they wish they can, but what I've noticed is a lot of times people, their interpreter might be their seven-year-old or nine-year-old child. Oh, yep. So if it's school time, which, you know, unfortunately, children aren't going to school right now, but mm -hmm. during regular times, that would mean that child would have to maybe miss school mm -hmm. because their parent needed to come to the dentist. And I feel that that child would be better off to go to school, mm -hmm. have the mom come, and we will find a way to communicate so this way she can get her dental work done and the child doesn't have to miss any school. But if there's a situation where there's a family that has several children, mm -hmm. then what 
I would encourage the family to do is instead of the mom feeling that she's going to bring one child to the dentist and have to find a sitter or the husband miss work so he can stay home and watch the children, mm -hmm. then in those situations, I would encourage the family to bring their children with them, and then we have an area for the, the other children that aren't being seen mm -hmm. to keep busy. Yeah. And, and this way they don't have to find a sitter or miss work mm -hmm. because they're bringing a child to the dentist. Yeah, I would say your, de your dentist office is probably one of the more child-friendly ones that I've been in just because, you know, you have your whole section for, of, you know, coloring supplies and books and toys. But that's good to, that's that's nice, to, good to hear. I didn't know that, I had heard that they had um, interpreter um, supports, Services. but that's really cool that you guys are able to actively use that here and, and be able to communicate with with more people um especially because yeah I've, I've noticed some of the groups that come here they speak um other languages like Swahili or Igbo or mm -hmm. other um languages off the continent so I'm sure there are even less interpreters um in order to help with some of those but that's very cool that they have that available right it's available for quite a number of languages so we we use it often for the people that come that don't feel that they uh they're comfortable with their English and mm -hmm. then we also encourage them to you know I keep a list of of classes that they can go to that are free in the community how are you guys handling um, the COVID changes? Like, what changes have you made in your, your office to make it more um, We have safe. a lot less um, hands-on items in the sense that, yeah, we've gotten rid of, like, a lot of the magazines and reading material. We have just very limited uh, items out, but I put fresh coloring and plain paper and crayons out mm -hmm. and then in between I try to have it where we see like a family mm -hmm. so the family will come in and then I try to have time between that family and the next family that comes in mm -hmm. and we sanitize everything the chairs the tables um even the crayons. Yep. Each individual crayon. Oh. <laughs> I, I dump the, the box out, sanitize each one, and put them back in the clean box. Oh, wow. Yeah. So that's like a whole a whole thing. It's not even just the sanitizing the chair and keeping the, the chair and the right. spot clean, but the whole office. Yes. The whole office so clean. I try to have like um, a good 15 minutes from one group of patients to the next group. Mm -hmm. And it works here for us to, to see a family at one time now. Yeah. Um, but we do provide dental services. That was what our office is. But we are not just a dental office. Mm -hmm. I see us as a community office. Yeah. So we as we get to know our, our clients, our patients, then we treat them where they're at, what they need. Mm -hmm. Like I said, if, they, if they're new in the community and they need to learn English, I inform them where they can go to get 
help with their English, whether yeah. it's free or lessons at Kirkwood. Mm-hmm. Um, every every situation is different, so I try to learn about my clients and what their situation needs are. Mm-hmm. Whether they need housing, whether they have food issues, whether I encourage the young ones, especially that are in school. If you have a problem at school, mm-hmm. you tell the teacher. If they don't take care of it, mm-hmm. you tell your parents. If they can't help you, let me know. Mm-hmm. And I have taken the initiative to to go to school and talk to their teachers mm-hmm. for them because a lot of them, they're new to this country. Yeah. They, they only know what they're used to and they're not... They, they're either not feeling comfortable or if they're getting bullied at school, we know that's not right. Mm-hmm. And so I inform them, you know, if this is something going on, don't, don't hesitate to come and ask me because if I can help you, I will help you. And yeah, I think, you know, growing up, we always see, well, for us, you were always very much like knowing your autonomy and being able to say, hey, you know, I don't like that or hey, so-and-so is bullying me and, and, and you know, um, I guess we kind of just took that for, for granted because we grew up in a household that, that was um, supported and, and very much like if you don't feel supported or you don't feel um, like your best interest is at heart, it's okay to say, I don't want to be in this situation anymore. Um which I mean, those things are also healthcare related. Because even in in my own in my own healthcare, personally, I've had situations where I've been like, "This doctor is not listening to me or not taking care of my needs," and so I'm able to tell them, "You know what? Hey, this isn't working. Um, I'm going to ask for a different physician." Which right. I guess, if you're third, like a, coming here from a different lang- from a different country, and and English is your your second language, you're probably not going to feel comfortable saying, hey, I want, <laughs> I want a different doctor. <laughs> right. So even, but even as adults, uh, there's feel that there's something that they need to change or do, whether it's through their doctor or something at work, mm-hmm. then, you know, I will inform them, you know, yes, you don't have to put up with that. You can, you know, you know, educate yourself about the situation, mm-hmm. whether it means joining a group that can help you mm-hmm. work through the situation or joining a union at your work yeah. to help you. You know, I will inform them, you know, these are some options you have available. So, you know, as I, like I said, as I get to know my patients, I communicate with them what's going on in their life and if I can be helpful I offer them information I see it as a community being a community service center yeah to a dental office yeah but yeah I like that because yeah I've always I think actually in one of my in one of my um articles that I've 
Right, and I think I, I said that you had, like, a civil disobedience law. That was what I called it, was your... Because um, I don't remember what exactly was going on at the time, but uh, I think there was some police brutality issues going on in this community. But there was info about, like, if you don't feel like you're safe, here's a number to call. If you feel like you've had injustice against you, here's, you know, pamphlet, information, stuff mm-hmm. to call. And we, we still have that. It's just that um, we we had to remove some things so we could wash everything down. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so we're, we more have, like, information that patients can take home with them and having something here that they can touch and read and leave it there and then the next person can touch and read mm-hmm. so we can't we can't do that now because of the pandemic yep, yeah uh, but we still have information available mm-hmm. and then I just make it available to them that you know if they're like it's every situation is different if I if I have a, a mom come in with a very young child I'm gonna give her information about how, how helpful it is to read to that child every day, how mm-hmm. to, she can encourage him or her to learn the alphabet. Yeah. Why it's important. Yeah. Um, but if if the situation is such that they they need to be involved in some community situation where they can learn what what's legal or not legal in their situation, mm-hmm. then I will provide that to them. Yeah. It's uh, every, I try to go with where that person is at in their life and what I feel that, you know, they've communicated to me mm-hmm. where where they're at and what they think they, they need. That's really helpful. It sounds like you really care about your patients, not just like a... Uh, you know, but as a, on their as a whole individual, not just as exactly. a mouth coming in, but as a whole individual. <laughs> um, exactly, that's what it. That's what people are individuals, and so we need to treat them as a whole individual. Mm-hmm. Um, and and again, like you know, the mental health issue that people have. Mm-hmm. Um, that's an aspect of everybody's you know everybody has how they deal with something Mm -hmm. some people deal with things differently than others and if there's somebody having a mental health issue that needs to be addressed Mm -hmm. it's not something that you can ignore because it's not going to go away right it's not something that someone can sweep under a rug and think that well that's that's not my issue that's not my problem because that's somebody else's problem mm-hmm. that's a, a, an individual having a problem mm-hmm. that's living within the community and the community needs to work at how they're going to solve these issues mm-hmm. it's not it, we used to have systems set up for that mm-hmm. but when certain presidents get into office, they want to change things. Yeah. And we, you, you want presidents to change things for the better, not for the worse. Mm-hmm. And so if those things are being changed for the worse, then the people that vote, mm-hmm. they need to vote for a new president. Yeah. Someone who's going to say, okay, we need to 
look at all the issues, not just one issue. And and this is where I feel people. I encounter some people that say, "Well, I'm I'm not a political person, so I don't want to. I don't really feel I need to vote, or I don't know. I to me, they're both bad candidates. Mm-hmm. Well, you you sh- people should educate themselves, make them aware of the situations, mm-hmm. and pick a candidate that's going to be more helpful to what their needs are. Yeah, you know whether it's continue to work at a job where they're making $7.35 an hour mm-hmm. or go with a president who's saying we need minimum wage of $15 an hour. Yeah. Oh, yeah, because I remember the last time they raised the minimum wage, I think I was in high school. Maybe. That was a while ago. <laughs> right. <laughs> it and, was and a while it ago. changed. But other things have costs have gone up for mm-hmm. housing. For cars, for food, yeah, clothing, those costs have gone up. But mm-hmm. if the amount of money you're making hasn't gone up, you know that's not that's not helpful for you and your family. Yeah. So that's where I encourage people to look at where they're at. You know, if if this if it's a bread and butter issue, mm-hmm. you know, then that's where they should look at where they should vote. Yeah. You know, if it if they have health issues with asthma and they're living in an environment where there's fires every year. Yeah. You know, that's a, a climate change issue. Mm-hmm. And which president is going to do something about climate change? Yeah. Okay, so then that's where you need to get out there and vote for the, the president that's going to help you know everybody has their their issue whether it's you know social issues Mm -hmm. climate change economics yeah you know all of these are going to affect us by who's getting in office oh yeah yeah so it's because yeah i I, um i always think of like political as like yes you know political issues do affect your health they do affect your environment you know um especially as like as a millennial we came into it kind of at a a point where we knew (laughs) we knew that it was going to be um less that there wasn't going to be um as much support for us when it comes to finding jobs and if you can't find a, a good job then you probably aren't going to have insurance so you got to be um, dependent on on state insurance and then then when they started kind of kicking down Obamacare then it was the issue of well going to go get my mouth cleaned is a luxury now <laughs> it's a luxury item now um and so, and I mean, you're a, you're a, the, a baby boomer. So how do you, how are you kind of viewing the, cause you're at a point where you're, you're getting ready to retire. So are you, are you concerned about what kind of healthcare will be available to you with certain presidency situations? Or are you a little less concerned about the healthcare aspect of that and just the social aspect of it? Um... I think that I don't look at it so much f- for for me and what's going to be available for me. I still think I look at it in terms of the whole community and mm-hmm. what 
but we still need to have health care for everybody. Mm-hmm. You know, not just old people. Yeah, yeah. Um, from from the time someone's born, they should be able to get health care. Mm-hmm. As they're growing up, I still feel that there's a need for people to get yearly checkups, to get their six-month dental cleanings. Mm-hmm. You know, if when they're ready to be able to say, I want to get birth control or I want to have that choice. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's entirely up to the person. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then as they're ready to start a family, to be able to say, I want to be able to get the health care I need so I can have a healthy child. Mm-hmm. And at once the family has started, to be able to say, I, I feel that everybody in my family should be able to get what we need so we can all be healthy mm-hmm. and contribute if you've got somebody that's healthy they're going to be able as a student to think and progress better yeah than if they have health issues or food issues yeah yeah Uh, if they're going to school hungry they can't think as well as if somebody's had a good breakfast meal yeah oh absolutely yeah if if we don't take care of the children as they're growing up they're become the next set of leaders in mm-hmm. this country. So we need to start from day one, take care of people. Mm-hmm. And then those people, as they finish their education, they're out there working in the community, hopefully doing you know, what they love to do and enjoy their work mm-hmm. and enjoy going to work every day and contributing to society. Mm-hmm. That's where I see the, the whole community. Um, so as a baby boomer, yeah, I, I've i been fortunate, I feel, to be in the right place at the right time to get the education I was able to get, mm-hmm. to be able to work in a field that I like for 35 years. I, I've contributed to Social Security, mm-hmm. so that will, Social Security and Medicare will be available um, and hopefully we won't have a president that says, okay, now it's time to to get rid of Medicare or Social Security. Yeah. I think that those are programs that are good programs. We need to continue with those programs mm-hmm. so that the next set of people that are working, as they work for their 35, 40 years or however long they decide to work, mm-hmm and get ready to retire, so we'll still, that will be available for them in the future. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's always the, that's always the hope, right? We're, we're always packing to prepare for the, you know, the next thing down the future, but, yeah. Right, uh, but as somebody's, you know, finishing college, starting their jobs, mm-hmm. they need to think about starting to save for their retirement Mm -hmm. so that when they get to the point where they do retire, if for some reason there is no Social Security, because that always seems to be a threat to the the every election coming along. Mm -hmm. There's always somebody that's saying we either need to, to get rid of Social Security or privatize Social Security. And 
it'll we don't know what the future is going to hold. Yeah. So you have to prepare for for that. Mm-hmm. But, you know, like I said, if you get enough people out to vote for the right presidential candidates and those candidates stick to their program and provide what they say they're going to, mm-hmm. um, then if they're in office and they don't do what they say they're going to do. Yeah. Okay, it's time to vote you out and get someone who is going to. I th- I feel like to have people that say, and this is, you know, this is my opinion, this is my, my point of view on it, but to have people that can go into a room and say, this doesn't matter to me because it doesn't affect me, I always feel like that's a privilege that... I know I will probably never have that privilege to be like this doesn't matter to me because just being a woman of color just being a woman a woman of color a you know a, a multiracial woman of color um it feels like my very existence seems to be political just you know the the whole like the concerns that I have about you know what are my health what's my health care going to look like are they as whoever going to be providing for me um are they going to listen because I'm I'm sure you know with some of the situations that have gone on even recently like um what was it a couple years ago Serena Williams had like a a, a blood clot that she tried to tell she had just given birth she tried to tell her physician and they were like oh you're just stressed or something and it wasn't until she like really yelled at them and was like someone needs to to take a look that they were like oh yeah you do have a blood clot we should we should treat that you know but it was that issue of someone had to you know that person had to advocate for themselves um I, I am always a, a little, you know, I look out at the world and I go, I don't know whether or not, like, I don't think I'd have, I've ever felt comfortable being able to say, I'm going to be quiet about this because I'm going to trust that someone else will advocate for me. <laughs> but I mean, but you've, you've always taken the, um, the approach of you've always tried to advocate for your, your patients. And, on, you know, like we just talked about on, on all platforms but um do you like I, I I think for you a lot of that is also kind of teaching your patients like you taught us that you know hey if you don't feel good like if something hurts you know be loud <laughs> and be disruptive and demand to be seen <laughs> I think it varies from situation to situation. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you can, if you, if a person can remain calm, and like I said, be aware of the situation. That's that's always the most important. Is what is the situation? Mm-hmm. Know what your situation is, and if you feel that I I went to this doctor. And I've informed them of something. Mm-hmm. And they sent you home and say, oh, that's just part of whatever. Mm-hmm. And, and you still think, well, you know, something still isn't right. This isn't my normal. Mm-hmm. Then 
that's the time to say, okay, I need a new doctor. Mm-hmm. I, maybe I even need a new hospital. Yeah, yeah. Maybe I need a whole new treatment plan. Okay. Then sometimes the patient can can decide that they need a new doctor, a new hospital, or a new treatment plan. Mm-hmm. And, and they should make those changes. If that person can't help them, then just start from scratch and say, okay, um, open a phone book, mm-hmm. find out who's out there, and talk to a couple people and, and decide where, where, you, where you, you need to head now mm-hmm. instead of staying in, in a situation that's not helpful for you. Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. It's always, um, I think, but I, I guess a lot of people feel nervous because like even even like my husband there have been situations where I'd be like ask for a new doctor and he's like I can't ask for a new doctor um but I you know I think that that you know because he is white part of that is his privilege with assuming they're gonna take care of him and whatever they're doing is in his best interest but um you know growing up in our household we learned about the the Tuskegee experiments and Henrietta Lacks and all the stuff that happened throughout you know early, like earlier American history that we're just kind of well I guess that's not even early that's relative <laughs> it's recent um you know the that there you know there is a, a a point where you have to go I need to keep my eyes on on everybody and, and mm. feel like I can advocate for myself so for me personally which I think part of this is with you being my dentist I've had got really used to being you know if I came in and you're like you're gonna have a filling today be like well do I have to have it It, is it gonna hurt can I get a white filling does it have to be a (laughs) you know to have that ability that was my privilege to be able to say well I have questions (laughs) and then you know kind of that's spilling into the rest of my my health care and, and being able to, to say, you know, hey, you don't seem to understand this part about my health, so maybe this isn't a, a good fit. But, um, yeah, I, I would definitely say that that is um, a, a, something that's being a, more addressed now. I mean, these last... Six months or so, I I would say with with everything going on with the police brutality and you know things coming to light that hopefully it's my hope is that it's turning over a new page. I don't know. You you lived through the the civil rights movements of you know fifties sixties, so you've seen seen that so is it like would you say there's like a direct parallel to how things are going right now or are you kind of just like well, the, the way, <laughs> way I see it is that uh, what we saw in the 40-50 years ago where we had a civil rights bill and there were were lots of improvements. Mm-hmm. We we got to see affirmative action. Um, I think without affirmative action, 
there would not be a lot of the educated minority that is out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but as time has progressed and we've maybe taken some steps forward, we've probably taken some steps back. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, unfortunately, I see where things are going to get more conservative mm-hmm. probably over the next 20, 30 years. Oh. Because of the changes that we've seen in President Trump's administration mm-hmm. and the people that he has brought in with his administration and the changes that they have done have not been positive for people of color. Mm -hmm. And so I can understand why there are people out there protesting because black lives do matter. Mm -hmm. Unless you have somebody out there protesting daily and getting it across to people. Yeah. Um, we won't, we won't see that continue to pro- to progress in positive changes. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I said, I was able to get a very good education. Um, I did get good grades, so there was financial help available for me. Yeah, but. I think that's that's going to change yeah. because the people that are in power now, they have kind of what I, I call mentality of uh, how do they word it? They're thinking that minority people are asking for everything free. Mm-hmm. They're not asking for everything free. Mm-hmm. They're asking to provide so that they can live equally. Mm-hmm. And to say I want to live equally mm-hmm. means I want to be able to go to any school in any neighborhood mm-hmm. and get the same education that your average white person will get going to any school in any neighborhood. Yep. I want to be able to go to a neighborhood grocery store mm-hmm. and be able to get fresh produce Yeah. that any white family would be able to walk to their neighborhood grocery store mm-hmm. and get fresh produce and meat and be able to pay for it. Mm-hmm. And I have to feel that I have to eat a certain diet because this is what I can, my family can afford. Mm-hmm. Um, and to be able to do that, you have to have a good education and a good job and, and a paid at a good price yeah. for your services. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean I'm going to hire a black person to come in 
and do janitorial work for $7.35 an hour. Mm -hmm. But maybe a, a white person will come and get a job and make $20 an hour. Mm -hmm. That's not that's not equal. Mm -mm. And if, if there are people that see that, that only people of color can only do service jobs. Mm -hmm. You're not, you're not even thinking of equal. Right. Right. Because everybody is born with equal mentality. Mm -hmm. They can learn to read. They can learn to do math. They can learn to do science. They can learn to do art. Mm -hmm. They can learn to do everything. So if you're not treating them equally, like I said, from day one, mm -hmm. you're limiting them. And then you don't expect them to protest, to ask, you know, the, the black people, not all black people in this country mm -hmm. are descendants of slaves. Mm -hmm. But the slaves that worked here, they were not given a wage. Mm -hmm. Their work, their labor was at no cost. Yep. So the white people that benefited from that, that had land values, mm -hmm. homes, properties, they already started out at ahead. Yeah. A different level. Yeah. Than people who had nothing but the clothes on their back. Mm hmm And so they're not asking for any more than where they would be mm -hmm. if they were here working and paid a wage when they were not given a wage. Yeah. And that's not even discussing, we, like, Jim Crow era and how the setbacks were for that. The way that slavery was situated, they were expected to work in the fields, clean the homes, mm -hmm. cook the food, make the clothes, do the laundry, mm -hmm. everything. And we're not given any wages. Yeah. So. We had no equity for so long. They're not asking for what people call reparations. Yeah. They're not asking for a dollar amount, say, give everybody. I think what they're thinking is that your average white family, maybe they have $170,000 in value for their property, whereas your average minority family is like $1,700. Mm -hmm. That's... A 10 times difference in value. Mm -hmm. They're not asking for everybody to receive whatever that difference would be in dollar amount. Mm -hmm. They're asking for education. They're asking for health care. Mm -hmm. They're asking for what they feel they need to make things equal. Yeah. Because, yeah, there's especially... I've noticed even... You know, when I go into, because, yeah, like, you know, affirmative action, it helped you 
get to the programs. It helped me get into the, you know, pay for school and get into the programs. But I would also say that there was an expectation when I was going through my programs of, well, you're not really paying for all this. So if you quit, it's not a big deal for you as though as though I didn't have the self-drive to complete my own program, get my degree and then move forward. Um, but I would certainly say that there, um, as you know, as a descendant of a slave, which I've had very many conversations with people, especially after I got married, oftentimes they'll go, oh, Asato World. That's a very unique name. What is that name? You know, okay, first name is Swahili. Last name is, is Czech. Oh, are you Czech? No, no, that's my married. My maiden is Caldwell. Oh, where is that from? Well, that's the name of the people that owned us. <laughs> so, you know, and they were, they were British, but, but, you know, they, that conversation I can tell it always gets people uncomfortable because that's very real to say your maiden name. Where is that from? So you must be and to say, no, we were property. That's the name that we were given. And um, yeah, to be to go into, you know, normal society and then, you know, like today's society and then be expected to be like, you shouldn't be upset and we'd expect you to not work as hard or you shouldn't be as upset when we tell you that we don't expect as much out of you um, because it's very weird. It's very interesting to hear it from the point of view of, well, don't be mad about it because it's no longer that way. But also because we know that things were hard for you guys, you guys are probably not going to have the same education as the white kids that are coming into this program. So it's kind of like you can't you, you I look at it and I go, well, you can't have it both ways. You can't say don't be mad, but also say we don't expect the same out of you. You have to. You have to pick one. <laughs> Either I'd be mad <laughs> because you have this, this, you know, or you treat me the same and you say we're, we're moving forward. But, um, yeah, for sure, I would say that there were lots of kids, you know, when, when we were growing up that I do look back and I go, if they had had, I know I was very lucky. I know that we, we grew up in a very... Um, relatively wealthy school district. We had AP classes and we had art programs and band and, you know, things that were considered luxuries compared to family members, the, pro the schools that they were in where it was pretty much you go and you learn your basic math, science, and writing and there's no AP, there's no extracurriculars. And then, you know, when you're done, go get a job. Just, you know, so we, I do feel like we were very privileged. So thank you for picking such a good school district for us to grow up in. <laughs> All that also affects our, our health care and how we, how, like, how much initiative people take into their own 
taking care of themselves and how how much um I guess how much I hate to see say how much they think they deserve to go get an annual checkup but I feel sometimes like it does kind of boil down to I can't afford it so I can't have it kind of thing which I know growing up you know I saw that there are patients that come in they go I can't afford anything you go don't worry about it <laughs> we'll take care of it I do remember seeing seeing that on occasion I do think things have kind of come to a head where even with stuff like the pandemic um you know you saying that you take extra initiative to to make sure your environment is hyper clean for the families that are coming in I know that a part of you doing that is because it, COVID does run a little bit more rampant through minority families if one family member gets it it's not uncommon for all the kids as well as their siblings and then their kids so all the cousins and and everyone to to get to catch it so um yeah this this is a, a downtime it's a very gloomy time yeah because people can't be with their family members they can't go out and do what normally they would like to do and yeah um i feel that people should be able to get a checkup every year they should be able to have health care and i think that's where we should aim to to strive to go to yeah is where everybody is eligible and can get health care whether they can afford it or not yeah i mean we're the only developed country left that doesn't have some form of of universal or single-payer health care um which even that like the Every year, I, you know, I always mentor the Mandela Washington fellows that come. And, you know, they come to Iowa City and they learn under the business program how to be um, more effective entrepreneurs. But whenever they come here and we talk about health systems, because we do have the University of Iowa, uh-huh. it is always a conversation that we have to have where what is a referral and why do you need them? And what what's this whole thing with insurance and you send in? Because in a lot of those places, they pretty much are like, everyone has health care. You go in, you get treated, and then you leave. <laughs> There's not a question of... You do, you, need, do you need an insurance card? Or yeah. Do you have an insurance program? Or, right. Um. Insurance is a whole different issue in the sense that it's, I I don't know how long insurance has been around, but to me, I would say it's a capitalist idea. Mm -hmm. If if you're working or you've got some money, you can buy insurance. Mm -hmm. Um, If you look at this, this is where a lot of people, they... They're, they're think that they can't the United States can't afford for everybody to have insurance well universal health care is not the same as insurance mm-hmm. if they took all the money dollars amount 
of every dollar spent in the United States and looked at what that number was mm -hmm. and how much they could apply it towards a universal program. Mm -hmm. They could they could do a universal program for less dollars a month than what the dollars are being spent yearly mm -hmm. on health care and medicines and all those needs. Mm -hmm. It's a, it's a different system in order for it to work. There has to be some changes, and it's not going to go just straight from here to here. Mm -hmm. It's it's going to have to be a process. And unfortunately, the the person that was the the presidential candidate that wanted to discuss universal health care didn't get selected. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, our choices are between the two main candidates and neither one of them are really pro universal health care. Yeah. Yeah. So you have to, you pick which one is closer to what your values are mm -hmm. and hope that candidates underneath them down the line in the different uh, state governments mm -hmm. will push for, for more discussion on universal health care as time goes forward. Yes. If, if we don't get those people elected, then it's going to take longer to get to that stage where people here think about it. So because of we are in a pandemic and there are people that had jobs and had insurance through their work, mm -hmm. but then they lost their jobs. Now they're realizing, okay, I have no insurance. Mm -hmm. I don't have that insurance that I had before. Yeah. So maybe they're more likely to think, well, maybe we should look at universal health care. Oh, yeah. I think the pandemic really did kind of just show how fragile our little ecosystem was our little <laughs> our social structure of how we well one who we think is essential and how we treat them but yeah also the whole a lot of because I know a lot of people that I've spoken to that did lose their jobs a lot of them were in positions where they were like I was making good money I felt very stable at the time when I was working we had a family we could provide for the family we ate decently well you know we were able to have you know a vacation every couple of years luxury things and then all of a sudden that you know that stability goes and then that question of well what now you know when have one trying to even get under um um unemployment and like the process to get support from that was a mess. A lot of people were not happy <laughs> with the process that they had to go through and the hoops. Um, but then, yeah, the question of once that runs out, now what? What do I do now that my unemployment has run out and I still can't go to work? Um, and I don't, I know some people say, oh, well, you should 
try and make the best. I don't think that's fair. I think that people should, you know, if it's still, you know, potential deadly zone out there, you shouldn't have to risk your life or the life of your especially the life of your loved ones because if you're you know a strong 30 something year old and you're probably not going to get hit with the whole virus you know but your parent might your grandparent might your young child might you know that's not fair to ask them to take that on right and the the initial bill that was passed was called the cares act and that provided monies for people either a one-time, I, I don't like to call it stimulus money, but that was what seemed the people call it stimulus. Mm-hmm. Or if you were unemployed, you could get the $600 a week additional money to help keep you afloat. Mm-hmm. Uh, then the next act was called the HEROES Act. Well, it was passed by the House of Representatives, but the Senate did never pass it. Mm-hmm. So that's what is causing more problems now because that there's no money out there for the people that are not working because they either got laid off or just their job ended, the people fired them, if that's what they want to call it, mm-hmm. because they couldn't keep a business going if there wasn't going to be customers. Yeah. And, you know, it's a lot of red tape to apply for PPP mm-hmm. if you're, if you don't have the, the right paperwork Mm-hmm. everything lined up just right for you to be able to, to get it and there's a deadline and so again people are thinking that well these people are just staying home and they're getting $600 extra and it's not like that mm-hmm. it's not like their thinking is why should we give them this money free They're just sitting at home doing nothing. They're sitting at home because we asked them to do that so everybody can be safer. Mm -hmm. If there are less people out there, the disease isn't spreading. Yeah. We're trying to keep this infection under control, limit the infection rate. Mm -hmm. And so we asked people to stay at home. Mm -hmm. And we'll continue to ask them to stay at home. Yeah. It's, they're not asking for any more than what they need to survive. Mm-hmm. And the people that have the potential to say, yeah, let's vote on this, aren't doing it. Yeah. Because they don't, they don't want to give them no money. But, oh, but. Four years ago, we passed this great tax bill <laughs> to give these very wealthy people mm-hmm. a tax break so they could have more money. Yeah. But we can't give somebody $600 a week 
so their family can stay home and safe mm-hmm. and provide food on their table and they can pay their rent. Maybe they have a car note. Maybe they have other bills like school loans. It's school loans. I was going to say, honestly, 600 wouldn't cover me every month. <laughs> and they don't, they don't so want to think about, well, maybe we should forgive these school loans. Mm-hmm. But oh, but we but that's because we have to worry about the tax break we gave people four, four years, years ago. Four years yeah. ago. Yeah. I have been very fortunate that I do own my own practice and I can make those changes and you know I can look at like I said, you you look at your situation and you know, to me it's do the math. If I know that this is where I wanna be and I can calculate how I'm going to get there. Mm-hmm. And I just think, well, I just need to see one or two more patients a day. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to get to where I need to be when I need to be there. Yeah. And still have Wednesdays off. Because, yeah, I guess a, a great example is the trip to Mexico. Our trip, Well, I guess it was two trips to Mexico, but... Yeah, you spent, I remember you spent, you had planned that, I think, like, five or six years in advance. Five, five years. Yeah, and I remember, yeah, we had discussions about it. You're like, well, you know, I got to work this Saturday. I'm working every Saturday because I'm saving that money so we can go to Mexico. So you could learn Spanish. Uh, I, I could see that the Hispanic community was increasing. Mm-hmm. And... What better way to serve them than to be able to speak the language? Mm-hmm. And like I said, this, this to me, this is a community office for that provides dentistry for the people in this community. Mm-hmm. You know, I want I want people to pay to be able to just live in the apartments across the street and be able to walk over here and get their dental services done mm-hmm. and not feel that well. The, the, the dentist in West Liberty knows Spanish, so maybe I'll just drive to West Liberty, mm-hmm. which, you know, that's their option, but it's probably a 20-minute drive. Yep. And what's that going to be like in the winter? Yep. And they could just cross the street. I I do love that it is such a... a about the people here, which I know that with you getting ready to retire, we're we're all hoping that whoever takes on this office will continue that because we need more people like that in healthcare. I feel like um, as somebody that I feel I feel like I'm someone that I observe healthcare. I feel like that's kind of where my situ- where my career lies is where I'm able to say okay see what you're doing over here and I see the increase of this populace over here or this need over here and I'm watching what's happening so are you seeing what I'm seeing too because I will ask you know I'm trying to raise that question to to potential clients have you seen what's happening and what are you going to do in order to to provide for those people Um, because they do need you know they do need health care and and you can't I, I know that personally, I'm always one, I've always, well, I think it was, you know, growing up in our community where I was always like, I'm not going to fit the mold for you. I need you to 
be mindful of me. So when it comes to stuff like that, I have that same expectation where I'm like, if someone's coming here from a different country, I wouldn't expect them to morph themselves and try to fit the mold in order to to make the the provider more comfortable. I would challenge the provider and say, if you care about people, how are you going to make adjustments for them? Like you going to Mexico to learn Spanish or I also remember when Alex was learning German. She had she had her teach you some German so that you could talk to some more of the German speaking um, patients that were coming in and have those mm-hmm. you know those dictionaries available. This was pre. <laughs> this was obviously pre um, the phone call <laughs> interpreter, but yeah, because I, I definitely think that that's is the hope is that there's going to be more change so that there'll be more offices at least my hope is that there'll be more community offices like yours so that the the I don't think people I don't think um I don't think all healthcare providers understand their very strong position within their community people trust their healthcare providers and and they value them as as pillars of the community and you've always done right by everybody that's coming here to 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 help provide as best you can um because yeah you were highly educated and you're able to get access to that information and how would you what do you say that there was a there was like why did you take such a a strong initiative for being politically active you didn't have to have your office be a community center, so why did you create it that way? I I felt that I think a lot of it has to do with um, I'm aware that are, there are people that are here that don't have the the paperwork that says. I'm a U.S. citizen. That still need dental services, mm-hmm. and they didn't have a resource of what do I do? Mm-hmm. I have this situation. What do I do? I have this other situation, what do I do? And I guess I felt that I either was aware of or knew somebody that that could help them, whether it was, you know, here's um, a lawyer, check them out, or there's free legal services. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, there's a community <coughs> church that provides programs mm-hmm. every first Tuesday of the month. Maybe you will learn what they have to offer. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe there's a local community cultural unit that you can go there and they can help you 
to see what it is that is your next thing that you can do to help you to be able to to stay here in this community or or whether it it, it meant moving to another community where you might feel that the Spanish language is is more prevalent than here in Iowa. Mm-hmm. And so for some family, it meant moving out of state to another state because that was what was going to be better for their family. Yeah. Um, but unless there was somebody that was willing to see what was available here or to discuss that with them. Mm-hmm. Um, I must have felt that I was communicating with my patients and they in turn felt safe enough to communicate with me. Mm-hmm. So I think that's how it developed. Oh, it does sound like you have, you do have really strong connections with the patients that come in here. You know, the, I, I've noticed, um, yeah, just even, you know, asking, how are you doing today? Not just the, do you have any pain, but like a legit, like, how are you, <laughs> how are you doing? <laughs> Goes a long way. <laughs> yeah. Um, which I do think you have a lot of empathy as an individual. And I hope that we develop that same level of empathy <laughs> as your kids. Either way, um, I mean, what you're doing with, with the clinic, what you've been doing with the clinic, and all the people that you've helped along the way has been really cool. Well, thank you. So um, is there an, any message, as we're wrapping up, is there any message that you have for anyone that's listening? I don't have a super huge listening base yet, but hopefully at some point, you know, it'll keep growing. <laughs> uh, well, I think I just want to say, yeah, Black Lives Matter. Uh, I want to encourage everybody that can vote to get out and vote. Mm-hmm. And keep reading to your children. I like that. Well, thank you for interviewing with me today. Thank you for listening to the Bio Studio podcast. I hope you enjoyed yourself. Maybe learned a little something. Maybe you were inspired to do something. And um, like, like Dr. Caldwell said, uh, Black Lives Matter and go vote. And I'm going to add to that, wash your hands, wear a mask, socially distance. And um, it seems like we all need a little reminder, even myself, that we are all in this together. 2020 is a dumpster fire for all of us. So be kind to your fellow human. Um, Be mindful that we are all going through stuff right now. And um, take care. And I hope to see you next time. Bye-bye. This has been a Legacy Bio Studios LLC production, providing scientific and medical illustrations and animations to researchers, inventors, startups, and companies. Legacy Bio Studios, illustrate your legacy. For more podcasts and blogs, go to our website at LegacyBioStudios.com. 
for more content, follow us on Twitter and Instagram at The Bias Studio.